Welcome to the Common Humanity Podcast, where we are here to have real human conversations. Today, my guest is Jazz. She is an old volleyball friend from high school and has just a lot going on in life right now. So, Jazz, my first question for you is, who are you? <laughs> That's a deep question. <laughs> um, right now, I'm just, I'm Jazz. I'm Jasmine Monchecki, a new wife and a new mom um you know I've only been married about a year and a couple months and I've only been a mom for the last two months and it's weird how you know some so quickly something can I like that's who I am now Mm -hmm. overnight well not overnight over the day (laughs) course of 13 hours I was just Jasmine and then all of a sudden I was somebody's mom so that's who I am now I love how you say that with just like it's like a soft nurturing voice one that I feel like I don't have. um <laughs> but um I think there's a lot of pride to take in to motherhood um even in just beginning because before you got to hold her, you had to carry her. And that's, you know, a tedious task. Um, How was that experience for you? It was, I don't know, it was weird. I I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Um, And actually, like, recently, you know, I see pictures and I'm like, oh, I kind of miss being pregnant. Like the whole experience is just, it. it's fun, but it's also just like, man, women are amazing. Like mm-hmm. We can do this. And, you know, I, I don't know if you remember, like I had a miscarriage last year. So I spent the whole pregnancy, like from day one until the moment I held her in my arms, like I worried about that. Even, right. you know, like I, towards the end, you have so many more um, doctor's appointments and yeah you know, every time they're like, oh, she's healthy. She's growing. Everything looks great. Like you couldn't say anything to calm me down. Like maybe in the moment I was like, okay, yes, I can hear her heartbeat. I can see her moving. Like everything is great, but it's still like, it wasn't enough for me. So, you know, as much as I did enjoy being pregnant, like I was so impatient and so nervous and like, it was stressful and it was stressful to be stressed because you don't want to be stressed because it's not good for the baby. So it's just, right. it's oh, weird yeah. because I enjoyed every moment of it, but hated every moment of it. Like I hated waiting. I think that's interesting. Um, I feel like I would describe my pregnancies similar, but for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm one of the weird people who enjoy being pregnant. Like even like through the morning sickness, through the aches and pains, through the sleepless nights, like all of that it still was, again, like you said, that, that idea that, like, holy shit, look at what my body is capable of, Mm -hmm. and um, this, I mean, this might be still kind of new to you, since it's only been a couple months, but what would you say, like, has your body image changed since having a child? If so, how? Absolutely. Um, you know, you and I both, both work out, we follow each other's like workout stuff. And, you know, I, 
I, I always say like, oh, it's to be healthy, but I, I would be lying if I didn't say like some of it's because I want to like how I look. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like my, I got these incredible stretch marks from being pregnant, like right on the like side of my hip, like lower belly. And the first time I saw them, you know, like my stomach finally like went down and I could see myself again. I was like, oh, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. I saw these marks. And at first, like the old me was like, oh my gosh. And, you know, there's stretch marks. You can see them. Like if I wear a swimsuit or a tank top, like everybody's going to see that. And like, I don't know if she cried right then, but like my attention was brought to her. And I was like, and you're the reason for it. And like, I couldn't be happier. So like, I tried taking a picture, but you know, I'm like home by myself most of the time. So like the picture was weird and I couldn't get a good picture of these stretch marks that I like wanted to share, but I'm like so happy for them because of what they signify. And even like, if it's not because of a kid, like I used to have stretch marks because I was in the gym and all of a sudden, like, my legs were getting bigger because I was like being able to lift harder. And so it really just changed like so many negative things that women think about and men too, but like, think about themselves. Like there's a reason for it all and like Mm -hmm. it can be celebrated. And so, oh yeah, I've like, I don't know, like overnight, I'm like, just this, like everything is beautiful. And, you know, even the bad stuff is just, it means something. And like, it's just, you know, when, for a little bit being pregnant, I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I look fat. Like, you know, my face looks bigger and my legs are bigger. And I was just like, oh, this is awful. But I'm like, I am carrying a baby. Like I am, I'm making a human life. It's not an I easy look, task. I look at my <laughs> husband, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing today? He's like, oh, I PR'd. And I'm like, I don't care. I built a baby today. <laughs> um. I think, uh, I mean, uh, obviously I don't like talk to every pregnant woman on the planet, but I think like I had a very similar experience. Like I struggled with disordered eating growing up. Like when I found out I was pregnant with my first, like I, cause I had, we'll go with taken a sharp turn back into like diet pills and stuff like that. And I found out I was pregnant and it was the first time in my life that I was able to be like, no, it's not about me anymore. Mm-hmm. And like, it, I think after having him was the first time that like, and there's plenty of things like you could like, right after having a baby, you can be like, my body's disgusting. Cause there's a lot of like, in case you guys don't know, <laughs> there's like fluids coming out of holes. You didn't know you had, there's like, <laughs> you got stitches in places you didn't know needed to be stitched back together. There's all sorts of things like that you could just feel disgusting about but I didn't feel disgusting right like I felt like I am capable of anything mm-hmm. like there's nothing that can hold me back after that experience oh yeah like it I all has that purpose I like I push myself harder in workouts now because I was like this is not as hard as pushing a kid out of my vagina like yeah. I can do anything <laughs> um I Oh, I just had a thought. Where did it go? Oh, there's um, there's a quote I love that is, it's like, um, I have a portal between my legs that brings 
like that brings souls from one dimension into another you will watch your tone when you're speaking to me and I'm like that is that is my essence I'm just like I have a power that not everybody has and yeah yeah, yeah no I I'm with that like and, and I always was like women are fantastic but I'm like yeah. women are everything you I love men I'm all about men loving men like loving who they are and like being proud to be a man but at the end of the day you are not a woman <laughs> sorry about it man yeah um well and it's I, again it's one of those things that like I think it's okay for us to take pride in that mm. because well there's like the the torture that our bodies put us through on a monthly basis for you know an average of 15 to 20 to 30 years prior to having to actually have a child um, that just preps us for that all the time that men don't have to deal with. Some of those things where I'm like, you know, if we just have to, like, I almost would rather not be prepared for having the baby um, <laughs> and not have to go through all of that just because it's a hassle. <laughs> but that's not, you know, biology, unfortunately. Not how it works. <laughs> um, so... I know one of the things that we've talked about um, in the past and one of the things you've talked about and written about is the idea. So you are mixed. Um, you are, I don't know if there's a better way to say that you're half black, half white. You got, I don't know, you got much more of a tan than I do for okay. sure. Especially because it's <laughs> um, ended. Yeah. That's <laughs> the only reason that I'm not super pale. I don't know, you um, might be darker than me right now. It may you be. Might, you might be. Good job. <laughs> My kids are in sports, not to be outside. Um, <laughs> or get to be outside, I should say, because I'm enjoying it. Um, but you've kind of discussed a little bit, and I'd like to have this conversation of what that was like growing up for you, and then we'll eventually get into, like, how that makes you feel as a mother, because... Uh, I mean, she's two months old, so you don't really have like a like exactly what she'll look like, what she's going to look like. But there's probably going to be she's probably going to have to face some of the same stuff you did. And so what was that like for you growing up? And I mean, we'll just start there and then dive deeper. Feel free to cut me off at any time, because I honestly like I can talk about this for hours because it's just, it's, it's a crazy topic that not a lot of people think about. Um, but I, so I guess like the best place to start would honestly be to tell you like my first racial experience and it came from none other than my birth father. And I was six, which I think says a lot because that was like 25 years ago. And mm -hmm. like, I remember it was like, like it was yesterday, like very few people, you know, remember like, yeah, when I was six, like this, like you have like a general idea, like, yeah, we went to Disney World or something, but like this very, not minor, but it's a very small memory, but it had mm -hmm. such impact on me that like it, it's crazy. So, you know, you know this, but you know, your followers yeah. may not, I was raised by my mom and her husband who she married when I was five years old and he has always been my dad. 
both of them white. And for a long time, I did go visit my birth father for whatever the custody agreement was. And oh, yeah. Um, I, six years old, they took me to the airport, put me on a plane. It was winter time. And I was wearing this Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys starter jacket, like pullover one. Remember starter? Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day. Back <laughs> in the day. Um, and I got off the plane and my birth father, he's not a Cowboys fan. I don't know who he cheers for, but he, instead of saying boo Cowboys, like most of us say these days, he said that my jacket, that's some white people shit right there. And I remember like being upset and not because not necessarily that he hurt my feelings, but I felt like I had done something wrong Mm -hmm. in, in being white in that moment. And it was like, it was weird too. Like he's my, oh honey, hush. Um, you know, he's, he's my dad. Like, you're not supposed to say mean things to me. Like you're supposed to be like, oh, cherish it. You're my daughter. Love it. But you know, to him, like, that's what he saw. Like that was some white people shit, which I think is hilarious because like Emmett Smith was on the team. And like, right. I started liking the Cowboys because my black next door neighbor was like, these are my, this is my favorite team. And that's how my brother and I got introduced to them. So like you said that, and I'm like, how is it? I would, I would even understand that. Yeah. I was Sanders like that. Whatever. I was so confused, but I remember being like, oh no, I did something white and that's bad. And, you know, flash forward a couple years, my next big like racial experience was from him again. Um, I had learned something in science and I'm not great at science. It's intriguing, but I just don't pay enough attention. But that we were learning something about genetics and eye color and like recessive genes and dominant genes and all that. And ultimately what I got out of it was my eye color came from my dad's side of the family. And that's you, doggo. Um, I, you know, was young and I called my dad, like I was excited to share this with him because ultimately what it meant was that he probably had white ancestors (laughs) because as a black man, like where else would you get that gene? So I'm sharing this with him, like, hey, I learned this today. What do you think? And he lost his mind that I told him that he probably had white ancestors. My family's black, we're pure black, blah, blah, blah. And like, I mean, he was he was pissed that I told that there was white on his side. And again, I felt guilty of being white. Then you know, of course I had experiences from white people about my blackness and, um, you know, nothing, nothing too like mean or derogatory, but just like assumptions, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, you might, you are good at sports because you're black or, um, like I had a teacher ask me about like a traditional black food. I, I don't remember what it was. And I was like, I've never in my life had that, like, you know, nothing too terrible, but it was definitely like kind of a a moment where I was like, oh shit, like, do I not act black enough or do I not do the right things as a black person? Um, 
so for a very long time, I was just in this like constant identity crisis because I didn't know how I was supposed to act because how I was acting, depending on who I was around, it didn't fit what they thought I should act like. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So it was so quick question. Is that something you feel like you've grown out of as you have experienced more of the world? Or is it something that you still catch yourself doing at times? I've grown out of it, but it is something that I'm, I I still feel it and I still witness it. Mm -hmm. I don't like feel guilty about it anymore, but just mixed people in general are constantly put in a place where they are forced to pick a side. Like nobody has ever told me like pick a side, but we're given all these scenarios and just life experiences where you are expected to pick a side. And like that again, doesn't make me feel guilty anymore, but it's almost stressful. Mm hmm. Because depending on who you're around, like you could really piss somebody off about that. Right. So quick side note, and this might offend people, which I obviously don't care about. <laughs> if I offend you, I'm sorry. Um, I used to work with a lady who was black um, and she, I think she was mixed in some, like she, she was lighter black. I don't know, darker than you. Sometimes I was tanner than her. <laughs> so that was cool. Um, but she like, um, she had married a man in the Mormon church and they raised their kids in the Mormon religion and Mormonism is stereotypically very white mm-hmm. and she would always joke that I'm more black than she is because like I'm like more up on pop culture and have more better rhythm and mm-hmm. just as a note rhythm is not genetic <laughs> it's not genetic um, but yeah, and it's one of those things where I feel like a lot of times in like in private people make comments like that and it's well accepted when you know each other's personalities. But right. then when you have to walk around in the world and I think and tell me if I'm correct in this because I feel like everybody, you know, has some identity crisis throughout their life. Like we all have to figure out who we are. Mm-hmm. But the additional challenge that you have is that your identity is visibly on display to everyone around you. Mm-hmm. You're correct. So like, <laughs> um, so like you can't hide it. Mm-hmm. And I think like that just, I can understand that, that challenge because you never have respite mm-hmm. from who you're trying to figure out who you are so like you said like you're constantly like never no one's ever said okay like are you black or white but you feel that that constant need or that constant social pressure to be one or the other mm-hmm. well I mean think about it there's you know you fill out a form or like at school and it's got like what race are you? And up until recently, it was one or the other. And even Mm -hmm. sometimes like on computers, you can only choose one. Um, You know, you're just, just our society 
just has really built it that you have to be one or the other. And, you know, visually, I th- a lot of white people look at me and they like automatically label me black. I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious that I'm not full black. Like I am very yeah. black, <laughs> but immediately your first thought is that is a black woman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and on the flip side of that, black people see me and immediately they're like, she's white. And like, nobody ever just says like, they're mixed. Like, it's not your first mm-hmm. thought. You automatically label me one or the other. My dog just freaked out. You good? <laughs> so. Um, so I guess then my next question would be, do you, have you had any experiences with other mixed people? And like, so there's a white community, there's a black community in your life in some aspects. Have you ever had a community of mixed people, people who have similar experiences like this that you've been able to come together with? Yes, every mixed person and specifically black and white, just that's my area of expertise there. You know, there's so many other things you can be mixed as, and I'm sure they have, you know, similar experiences, but the mixed people that I know specifically, my black and white friends, not a single one of them has not had like very similar experiences as I had. And, you know, we often, we get the, you're too white or you, you talk white, you know, we get that from the black side we get the sports comments, the rhythm comments mm-hmm. um, from the white side. Every last mixed person I know has, excuse me, that experience. Well, I think one of the things that's interesting is, I mean, all those things are based off of stereotypes and there's there's the small part where stereotypes exist for a reason. Like there's mm-hmm. a large enough percentage of whatever population that a stereotype became existent you know but I feel like like in general white people whether intentionally or unintentionally perpetuate white stereotypes like even in a joking manner um and like like almost taking pride in it Mm -hmm. like my older brother would always say things like this is my white boy dance like you have rhythm you just choose to look like a dork because you don't like being in front of people. Like that's not having rhythm and not wanting to be the center of attention are not the same thing, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, but it was, well, it's my white boy dance because white people apparently can't dance. Right. Um, and my friend Gina saying like that I'm more black than her because the stereotypes that black people are supposed to be a certain way. And I have those characteristics it perpetuates those stereotypes, which like to me in general, and I've, I've talked about like gender on occasion, cause that's like where my identity crisis was. Cause I'm a very masculine woman to most people. I'm very assertive. And to me, like they're all human traits. Like 
We all have characteristics. They're human characteristics. Everybody has them to some degree. Like, mm. no, not everyone is going to be able to dance, but also not everybody wants to dance. And if you don't want to dance, you're not going to learn how to be in in rhythm. Like mm. that's like, it's that it's kind of that simple. And like, um, like stereotype. You mentioned stereotypical like black foods that somebody had mentioned like if, if you've eaten I'm not gonna lie the first thing I thought of was okra because that's what I've heard about but the only person who's ever cooked okra for me was white and they were from the south but it's a southern food not a black food <laughs> um yeah so I don't know I just think that's it's a very interesting dynamic um, do you feel like as, well, I guess, do you feel like you have found any balance or, well, instead of gray area, like a tannish brown area in between? <laughs> um, like from other people or like for myself personally? Um, well, I'd be both internally or just in the change in society because a lot has changed in our culture in the last 20 years mm-hmm. um I'm I'm really glad you asked that um no I it, I think it's gotten worse like you know we're not moving more towards a middle gray area like mm-hmm. oh yeah people are just mixed no I feel like it's been and it more specifically in recent years, like the last three or four years, like it has been one side or the other. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, this, this happened really recently and it, it pissed me off quite a bit, but I was, uh, trying to grow out my natural curly hair, had never mm-hmm. done it before. My hair has always <clears throat> been chemically straightened. Um, or I've had like extensions, like I've never worn my uh, natural hair and there's you know Facebook has everything there are groups on Facebook that um, you can be a part of and I became a part of the group and for a long time I was just like looking at the other posts like seeing what other people said whatever and then finally I had questions I posted this question um I don't remember what it was it was about curly hair um I said that I've been getting relaxers which is you know what it's called Mm -hmm. when they straighten my hair for however many years and you know some tips and whatever and the group moderator kept deleting my post and so finally I like reached out to her and I said hey why why are you doing this (laughs) I said, I, I need help. Like, I don't know how to yeah. do my hair. And she said that this was a, a space for black people. And I was like, I am black. And she was like, well, like she literally tried arguing with me, my race. She was like, well, you look very white in your profile picture. And I was like, well, yeah, it was winter. <laughs> like I get really white in the winter. But she like truly tried to argue with me that I was black and had like the tight curly hair that black people have. And she was like, oh, well, 
sorry, I can put your post back up. And I was like, no, thank you. I don't want to be a part of this. Like this isn't a space for me. And, you know, and I say that things are getting worse and unfortunately, and this is going to piss people off. It's getting worse for me from black people. I have seen a lot of growth from white people. And, and again, I really, I never really had terrible, like racist things happen from white people. I'm I'm sure there was, and I just didn't know about them, but like blatant to my face, Mm -hmm. my racial experiences come from black people. And that in it's in the last couple of years has gotten worse. And then ironically, you know, I'm, I'm too white for some of them, or I don't look black, but like when the black lives matter movement started getting a lot of momentum, a lot of them, my friends were adding me to these groups, like proud black women and black people unite. And it pissed me off. Like, thank you for thinking of me, but last year I wasn't black enough for you. Yeah. I hope growing up, I was too white or I spoke white. So it was like, it was also a put down too. Cause it was like, you only want me now cause it's convenient or to like further your cause. Like it just, it didn't feel good. Um, and truly I, I haven't experienced a lot of it from white people, which it's hard. It's hard to say that because you don't, I don't want to point fingers, but that's in every mixed person I know that's where we experience the most racism is from that side so uh, first of all I'm glad you said that word first um so my my kind of I have always argued that you can be racist against any race that's um Right. Um, I grew up, I mean, for the people who live, have lived in Cheyenne, Wyoming, I grew up on the South side. So I was the palest of the people in my school. Mm -hmm. Um, and like got told all the time growing up that I, like, I remember in history class in like seventh or eighth grade, some black boy who I don't remember his name told me that I need to give him x y and z because my ancestors enslaved his ancestors and i was like first of all i'm third generation american my family was nowhere near america when slavery was happening um we were busy being persecuted by russians so like leave me out of this but then i turned to my friend lura who has bright red hair and i'm like if anyone should be mad it should be her because my ancestors in norway enslaved her people (laughs) like they enslaved the Irish like nobody's business and um just like constantly having this conversation of like race racism is discrimination against somebody because of their race Mm -hmm. which is different from the systematic racism that is found in America so I am not going to say that like America was not built to hold specific people down. I 100% believe that. Like, but, and there's like 
there's a a spectrum of people that were beneath the boot of the people who had rights like the constitution grants rights to everyone as long as you are a land-owning white man Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of people who didn't fall under that particular designation and then throughout history like immigrants who look a lot like me come in and they're not seen as white enough because they're from a different area um so that idea of racism i it makes me mad that people don't accept that racism happens to all races to everybody um i'm from north dakota and when i was a kid especially when there were older people would be referring to different ethnic groups by very rude names and they look pretty much exactly the same but they're still pissed off from a hundred years ago and the grudges that their grandparents had against somebody who lived in a country next to them before they moved here and it's just like like that's still racism (laughs) it's still racism like white people can be racist against other white people and like it's it's strictly it's it's just anyway i don't even know if i can our district makes us do um makes us take this class and it's a very uncomfortable class for most people because it's it's essentially about race like Mm -hmm. they they try to mask it as just like a an accepting of different cultural groups which there definitely is that you know that idea in it but essentially there's a lot of race talking about it and I I think I took this class four years ago like right when I moved to Denver and um they asked like right off the bat they said define racism and I will never forget this white woman at my table who said it is prejudices and just terrible behavior towards black people and I've never in my life rolled my eyes so hard like in somebody's face like normally I'm like let me turn around and not let you see but like in her face I rolled her eyes and or rolled my eyes I was like this is what's wrong with that statement racism literally is treating people bad based on their race nowhere in there does it say a particular race so this woman has probably had racism happen against her but didn't think it was racism because she's not black this woman is a teacher and probably witnessed racism in her classroom and wasn't defending all kids because in her mind it was only against black kids and I'm like Mm -hmm. I I mean our district is very diverse and I'm like you have Asians in your class and Native Americans and like you've got all these kids who are not black and you only think that your black kids are experiencing racism and you know and then I'm just like sick to my stomach because so many people think like that mm-hmm. and I feel like in recent years the term reverse racism has like and I'm like you fucking idiots like that's not a thing you can't reverse it it's not an uno card <laughs> racism is racism it doesn't like I mean every dictionary definition for it it says 
in prejudices against a race. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be, you know, and it's so frustrating that that's where Americans' heads are because mm-hmm. you're missing out on a lot of racism that's actually happening. And I, um, and I enjoy people asking me about it, about just race in general, mostly because I think a lot of people are surprised by my answers. I think when people look at me, and this is technically racist, people look at me and they assume that I, I that that white people have been racist towards me and mm-hmm. that I, you know, have maybe had a difficult life or whatever. And I'm like, let me change your mind on this and let me tell you how it's really been for me. So I, I love this conversation and, you know, I, anybody who wants to talk to me about it, I'm like, do you got time? (laughs) There's a lot. So what do you think, what do you think is the driving factor between those interactions in um, the black communities that you've been in? What do you mean? Um, Do you think, so there's, throughout history, right? There's been stories of mixed people being treated differently. Like, um, we'll just be blunt about it. Slave owners' children were not allowed to be slaves because they were part white, but they weren't allowed to be part of society because they were part black. So they were like an entirely different entity. Um, And that has in some ways been perpetuated throughout the rest of modern history, right? Because there's two sides and you're in the middle. Um, But what do you think, do you think it's a, like a historical bias or a, um, or like all of the stuff? Well, I, I guess it can't even be the stuff that's been happening recently because your first story was, when you were six. So what do you think, what is the, what do you think, if you had to guess, what is the driving factor behind how we're treated? How you're treated, yeah. I think, I think it's because there, there's not a place for us. So like you, you bring up the mixed children from slave owners and slaves. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a place for us. Like, what do you do for us? Because we are both sides. What do you do? In a world where you have to be one or the other, what do you do with the people who are both? I remember, you know, probably in middle school, learning about just civil rights and me thinking, well, I'm really glad I grew up in this day and age because I wouldn't have been able to have a prom because the white people wouldn't have, accepted me the black people wouldn't have accepted me so I think I and maybe I'm biased because you know it's who I am I think mixed people receive more racism than any other race because we really truly are getting it from both sides and there's there's I mean there is a category for us there is a ginormous mixed population (laughs) but because the world is so black and white right now, there is not a place for us. 
and it it's such a shitty place to be in and you know when you know the George Floyd thing happened and I forget Ahmad Arbery was that the the kid who was running something like, like that when that stuff was happening it was I think that was like really when I started like writing and sharing it with people because I was I was so upset for Ahmad. I was from what I knew I was upset about George Floyd like they seemed like really shitty instances and definitely racist and Mm -hmm. my black side like I don't I don't really have sides but like I was afraid because to a white person I look black and like I think not long after that I got a speeding ticket I get pulled over all the time not anymore not now that I have a kid but like (laughs) and for the absolute first time in my life I was afraid not because I was like shit how much is this ticket gonna cost but I was like this person is gonna see me as a black person on the reverse side of that so many black people were like you know, some of them were like, come join our cause, but some of them were like, you're white, you're just like them. So then I was afraid of black people at the same time, because I'm like, they have such a hatred towards white people right now. Understandably, there was a lot of racism going on. Mm -hmm. They see me as white. What are they going to do to me? Like, it was, (laughs) it was really scary. And I mean, there's even some scenarios now where it's scary. Like, I mean, I haven't been pulled over in a long time, but I mean, there are times where I like see cops and I'm like, what do they see? Or when I am in a predominantly black area, I'm like, great. They see this white woman walking around and what are they going to say? How are they going to feel? So it's a... I forget I forget why I started telling you this but like it it's scary it really is still so first of all thank you for sharing that that's um I don't want to say like it's not heartwarming but it's <laughs> it's almost like a, a heartache for you because that's to live your life in fear of pretty much everyone around you um because you never know and that's like that's not an easy feat and now you have an adorable little offspring to protect and I'm sure that just you know exasperated the the whole whole feeling well, and then like, um, for her, I feel, I feel bad for, because she's probably going to be pretty light. Like I, mm-hmm. I, my ancestry thing, and I'm actually like 42% black and whatever, 58% white, because my black side does have white in it. <laughs> Told you, dad. So, um, side note, I'm 1% African. Hey. You can probably tell by looking at me. <laughs> it is. 
Um, so, you know, when we got pregnant and, you know, my husband is half Italian and a whole slew of other things. Um, so I'm like, okay, she's going to be 25% Italian. Um, she will be, cause I think I'm like 30% German, 20% Swedish. So I'm, you know, doing all the math. Cause I'm like, this is cool. She is a hodgepodge of shit. And I'm like, she's going to be 21% black. So my mom, a wonderful white woman who has celebrated my black and whiteness, like she has made me feel the most happy about being mixed. She bought my unborn child at the time, a onesie that says black is beautiful. And I was like, mom, I'm never putting this on her. And she, why? It's cute. It's celebratory. I said, because she is going to be white. She will be very white. Her skin will be very white. Are you about to tell I mean, me something? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously you have data right in front of you that says that you were correct. Yeah. But genetics aren't as simple as like ninth grade biology wanted us to believe. So like my older brother, we've both done like the ancestry, whatever. And um so he is like 30 no 25 I think percent Neanderthal and mm -hmm. I'm one percent Neanderthal so like how the DNA actually split into us mm -hmm. is incredibly different so there are families of um are they called not mixed race families but like yeah. white white one parent white one parent black right and they have like a black looking kid, a completely white looking kid, and then a mixed looking kid and like anywhere in between. So like you can fall anywhere on that spectrum, depending yeah. on like how your DNA decides to form. Right. So she wasn't she guaranteed to be light. <laughs> I was just like, mom, she's got a lot of white going in there. <laughs> like if I was like mixing stuff in a blender, <laughs> a lot of her ingredients are white, but you know, I, 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 I can't put her in that onesie right now. Yeah. I'm, maybe I could, and maybe because I'm with her, I get away with it, but she can't wear it when she's out with her dad. Yeah. And how sad is that? My daughter, part of her heritage is African-American. And because of that, like ancestry, whatever I learned, you know, specifically which African we've got going on and there's yeah. a lot and but she doesn't get to celebrate that I mean I, her and I will celebrate it but mm -hmm. to the world you're a white baby why are you wearing that and so again you can't tell who a person is what their background is by looking at them exactly but because I have that, a friend who is um Mexican and her husband is white and both of the kids they have together have blonde hair and blue eyes and so like after the first one she was like okay like people started asking if she was the nanny which is just insulting mm -hmm. in itself and then she's like all right the second one we're gonna we're gonna get it on the second one and he's even like he's the spitting image of his dad just like bright blue eyes blonde hair like none of them look anything like her 
and she's like she keeps saying she's like I just want another kid like I want to, I want one kid that looks like me like it might not happen <laughs> you have, might have to pop out a lot of babies my mom went through that and it always made me feel bad for her too because you know raised by two white people and I was with my dad a lot he came to a lot mm-hmm. of stuff you you know you saw him there yeah my mom was asked multiple times if she was my step parent and you know being a mom now I can imagine how like much that sucks like I built this child I carried Mm -hmm. I delivered her like my poor mom I was cut out of her like she's like I went through that and because she doesn't look a lot like me I mean sometimes we make the same faces but like, she she didn't get credit for me right and without an explanation I'd have to be like no that's my mom whatever and it made me feel awful for her that it just wasn't like assumed hey that's your daughter she's awesome I mean I don't know if that's what people were saying but that's for sure what they were saying she also <laughs> she might have liked it sometimes that she didn't get credit for me when I was being a dick and she was like yeah <laughs> Yeah. So do you, okay. So question, um, do you feel the societal pressure of a black person because you were married a white man? Only because I live in Denver. Okay. I, you know, we, we only, we only lived in Cheyenne for like a year together, not even. Um, and I don't know, I never felt a lot in Cheyenne like people were like oh yeah that's Jasmine she's mixed she's plays sports and my teachers were like yeah she talks all the time in class like I never in (laughs) Cheyenne I never really felt anything but down in Denver like there is such there's a bigger population of black people than there is in Cheyenne and I I feel and I see the stares when we are together and you know as I told you like in the beginning of this like I don't really care I feel it and like sometimes it is scary but I'm not like I'm so sorry I let you down I married a white man like you know I I love him so I'm like I don't care what color your skin is um so living here in Denver I definitely feel it and you know we have we have our neighbors like we truly live in the most diverse neighborhood I've ever been in like we have Asian neighbors and black neighbors and I when we first moved in I was like we are the only white people in this neighborhood and he like looked at me and was like (laughs) and I was like oh yeah but like when we walk together like people stare at us and like I feel bad I think for him maybe because I'm like they're not accepting you and I mean they're pissed at me but they're not accepting him and um so I, I definitely feel that and it's sad if there is one like culture shift that you would wish for for the world for your daughter what would it be Just don't label her <laughs> I mean she's she's got she is chock full of different cultures and you know I culturally I may not be the most like knowledgeable in 
you know, African culture. I was raised by two white people in Cheyenne, Wyoming. <laughs> but, you know, like, I I want her to be able to wear her black is beautiful shirt and maybe maybe one day it'll be acceptable to have a white is beautiful shirt and maybe she can wear both of them and you know just but she's gonna get labeled and right now she's gonna get labeled white she's real white (laughs) and you know we'll be out together and people will question if she's my kid and because they label her they label her as a white baby do you think that when that happens I'm not gonna say if but when that happens you will have a deeper understanding of how your mom felt oh yeah a hundred percent I mean is that something I had sympathy for her and I think now like it it's gonna turn into empathy because I'll feel it it'll hurt I'm sure I'm sure it hurts like I'm yeah it's annoying but I'm sure like it kind of hurts your heart. Yeah. Um, All right. So before we go into our random questions, is there anything else, if you could say one thing to the world, what would it be? Well, that really depends on my mood, man. Um, It honestly would be, Like, don't be racist. Like, I know that seems so simple, but like, it is truly the dumbest concept on earth to hate somebody because they look different. Like, I have you seen that video? It was a couple years ago where there was just this big like x-ray machine and people would stand behind it and they would be hugging or kissing. And all you would see is the bones and like kind of the outline. Mm-hmm these two people kissing and you have no idea what they look like and then they came out from behind the screen and you could see what they looked like and the whole like message was love is love Mm -hmm. right like all you saw was two skeletons you couldn't see if that person had black skin white skin male female long hair short hair you couldn't tell all you saw was two people showing love for each other and then they came on the other side of the screen and you're like, holy shit, like I was a black and a white person. And I mean, that's just how, and more so than about love, like just in life, like if you were not able to see people's skin colors and you just accepted like that person's really good at sports, that person's very smart, not based off their race, like this world would be a hundred percent better. Like there's just- I. I so much agree. My whole like spiel is that labels and like trying to put ourselves in boxes is like the downfall of society, quite honestly. It is what continues to separate. Like we just keep trying to find new ways to separate ourselves instead of becoming what we are, which is human. We are, every last one of us is human. Human. Mm-hmm. human yeah. and hence common humanity it's, it's a common trait we all share <laughs> all right so we're moving into our random questions do you want left or right hand left 
All right, I gotta go start on the front side. Name two places that make you very happy when you're there. <laughs> Cheyenne, Wyoming, believe it or not. <laughs> um, and amusement parks. Okay. Yeah. You like like roller coasters and adrenaline junkie kind of stuff? The only thing I can't do is like spinny rides, like the teacups. Those make me sick. See, like the little teacups, I can't do, but like the ones where they spin you so fast that like gravity doesn't exist, I can do those. No, it's weird. If I spin, I'm a goner, but I can go (laughs) down, I can go backwards, I can go fast, slow. Oh, I love it. But you spin me and I'm done. Like, and I'm done for a good while. Like if I ride the teacups in the morning, I'm not getting on another ride the rest of the day. I don't take you on teacups in the morning. Let it be the last ride of the day. Send you home. <laughs> if at all. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so for me, name two of your favorite places you've lived so far. Um. I'm going to name three because I'm a rebel. Bozeman, Montana, Cheyenne, Wyoming, and Amsrai, Morocco. Bozeman's pretty. I like Bozeman's that. fantastic. If I could afford to live in Bozeman, I would, but I don't. So. <laughs> All right, your next question. If you were a leader, name one thing you would change in society to peru- to improve the lives of as many people as possible. That also depends on my mood. Uh, today I was, <laughs> I was bitching about women having to pay for um, feminine products. Right. I like randomly, I was sitting there not doing anything. I wasn't even, you know, in a scenario that I needed a feminine product and it like popped in my head. I was like, why do I have to pay for tampons? I didn't ask for this stupid period. <laughs> so, so depending on my mood, whatever I'm passionate about. Uh, what was the question again? If you were a leader, name one thing you would change in society to improve the lives of many people. Mm. That's that's hard. That is hard. It'd probably be something with healthcare. Okay. Be just you know the price of it all. Like it's ridiculous when I looked at like the breakdown of my hospital stay and they charged me like, you know, $10 an ibuprofen pill. And I was like, you mean, because I paid $6 for the 5,000 tab bottle I have and you charge me like $10 per pill. Yeah. It's And just the, the fact that they can do that. Yeah. Like I couldn't do anything about it. I can't say no. How much, so how much, like, before insurance did your baby cost? And then how much out of pocket? I think she was 25 before insurance kicked in, 25,000. I might be, if anything, I might be short, like, it might have been more than that. Um, but out of pocket, I think we haven't even paid it all yet. Somewhere around like seven to 8,000. Yeah. Don't worry. I, I took like a year and a half to pay off each of my kids. So 
<laughs> I'm like, I'm like trying to pay it off because they keep calling and it like stresses me out. And I'm like, I oh, just yeah. want to get it over with because I'm sick of this phone call. But I'm like, I can't. who has just seven thousand dollars just chilling? Not like, people with children. That's who. <laughs> teachers, no way. All right, my next question. Is there a documentary or book that really changed the way you see things? Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God, yes. Um, on Netflix, it is... Oh, what is it called? Come on, brain. Please not. Mm. What? And hopefully not Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, no. Oh, the Principles of Pleasure. That's what it's called. It was, I recommend it to everybody um, because, and it's one of these things that's embarrassing, but we already touched on the lack of sexual education in our country. As a 34-year-old woman, I learned more about my sexual parts than I ever knew mm-hmm. in a three-part documentary on Netflix <laughs> about pleasure and what, like, and it's very interesting and it's very there's lots of science but there's also lots of like quippy um things that people talk about and like people talking about their own experiences mm-hmm. but um I'm just, I'm just gonna be straight up about this did you know that your clitoris is like not just the the little part at the end and there's a whole like that there's there's just a lot to it did you know that only because I went to a pure romance party and the, I've been to numerous of those and they've never said anything about that what you're no you gotta go to the right person she told me a lot <laughs> I was like See, wow. right things you definitely did not learn in health class no no can you okay. imagine Chad Goff teaching me that and <laughs> Well, first of all, I had Brinkman, which I think is even worse. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, he was, I remember him in class, like right after his kids were born, which is just insane to me because then I go sub at school and they're teenagers and adults. And I'm just like, that's not okay. You were babies. <laughs> um, and I remember him having weebles. The weebles, they wobble, but they'll fall down. And people are like, oh, are those toys for your kids? And he was just like, I'm not sharing these with my kids. And I'm like, and you're teaching us, you're, you're, you're teaching us how sexual reproduction works and all of that aspects. And you won't share the baby toys with your baby. <laughs> anyway, but I, I did enjoy that. So whatever. Okay. Your last question. 10 years from now, what could you regret not doing more or less of in life? Ooh. Um, I don't know because I kind of do what like if my brain's like I should do that like I do it for the most part um I you know currently I'm trying I'm trying to find ways to stay home with her um you know I I, I need to make some money my poor husband doesn't make enough that I could stay home but I think I'll regret if I don't find a way to spend more time with her and you know nothing against working moms at all um 
I just, I don't want to miss stuff. And not that working moms miss a lot, but I just, like, I'm the only one who's heard her giggle because she, like, she did it while my husband had just fallen asleep or she's done it during the day. Like, and that's special to me. Like, I'm like, yeah, everybody will get to hear it eventually. But like, I got that. Um, you know, I don't want to miss first steps, first words. You know, I don't want to miss the opportunity to teach her what I know, or just like have her watch what I do and have her imitate it. And, you know, I, I think I will regret not finding a way to do that because just emotionally and spiritually and that's where I am right now is I, I want to be a mom just full time. So she's so cute. <laughs> she, she's pretty adorable. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. My last question. What are two sayings you remember from your childhood or adulthood and are they true or false? <laughs> I am going to choose. We'll go, we'll start with the early bird gets the worm. Mm -hmm. um, and not to say that it's like you can't get a worm if you wake up early, but you can also get a worm if you stay up late. And um, yeah. I just, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sayings and things like that, that rub me the wrong way because they don't leave room for nuance. Mm -hmm. Like you can wake up early, get the, get the worm and then go back to bed if you want to. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the key is finding what works for you. Maybe you don't want to eat worms. Maybe, maybe you want to eat beetles. I don't fucking know. Some birds eat fruit whatever um and then the other one um the other one that I always question is actually no I'm not gonna I was gonna say no pain no gain but as much as I can argue with that one um there's some truth and some some lie to it but the one that like rubs me the wrong way every time I see it is nobody cares work harder. Um, Cause I think that that is just perpetuating a really dark, sad world. Um, so like anytime I see people wearing that shirt, I'm just like, I care. I care. Like just, you know, I care. I don't fucking know you, but I care because somebody's got to. And if we all stopped caring, there wouldn't really be much reason to exist. So, um, yeah. And as a as an overachiever, my whole life and a workaholic, um, like one of the things I regret is not just in motherhood, but in my life in general, is the amount of living that I missed out on because I was too busy working for the future and I've uh now now I try to give that up as much as possible and work as much as I need to and trying to do things that I enjoy because I have one life and if I don't enjoy it what the fuck is the point I so. remember my mom one time 
when she was on one of her like I mean she's always on a health kick she's always working yeah. out but it was one of her food health kicks when I went to go eat a cupcake and she was like you know some stupid saying like a moment on the lips forever on the hips or whatever and I was like mom if I die tomorrow I'm gonna be real fucking pissed I didn't eat this cupcake <laughs> and I have like ever since I said that to her I think both her and I have been like you know what that's right like and I, I, I apply it to everything like whether it's food or just like life in general like you know my husband and I were like oh you know if we go flying we're gonna like have less money to do other stuff and I'm like yeah, but like if I died tomorrow, I'm gonna be pissed that we didn't go to New York or whatever, you know. Yeah. So yeah. Don't don't work too much. Yeah. Or I mean there's there's the other saying that's like, um if you like if you love your job, then you, you know. don't work a day in your life. So yeah. So find a way to uh, make money off of things you enjoy doing, I guess, is the, the key there. Well, somebody can not... to stay at home. Um, I mean, in in some countries, that's sort of a thing. You're expected to stay home and the, the children are um, provided for until school age for their basic necessities by the government. I will move there immediately. Okay. <laughs> you're it's no it's like it's actually I don't know it's like a, such a cool thing like people like when you get sent home from the hospital you get like a baby box that has like all of the stuff that you need to like comfortably bring your child home and you know how much it costs what because because health care is part of your taxes they tax you and then all your shit's covered. And there aren't people who go bankrupt because they got cancer and couldn't afford it and then died because they were too poor to be sick. Like you said, healthcare is why you went into society. Love your face right now. My hospital sent me home with breast pump parts to a breast pump they didn't provide. Yeah. I was like... That's Oh man, American healthcare. It's a mess. Well, Jazz, thank you very much for joining me today. This has been a, another episode of the Common Humanity Podcast, where we are here to have real human conversations, and we definitely did so today.